You're listening to the Casca Grossa Podcast. Podcast. A place where we discuss and explore all things about Brazilian jiu-jitsu, MMA, self-defense, and how jiu-jitsu can improve your life on and off the mats. Hey, what's up, everyone? Thiago here. Welcome back to another episode of the Casca Grossa Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. My guest today is a fourth-degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu from Rio de Janeiro under the red belt Grandmaster Wilson Matos. He came from the unique father lineage, which has no connections with the Graces, Mitsuyo Maeda, Luiz França, Osvaldo Fada, and Wilson Pereira Matos. He is the president of the Sport Jiu-Jitsu Australia Federation, SJJF. He's also fought MMA in a few events called Deep, 2001, which was the same organization as Pride FC in Japan. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Casca Grossa, Minol Tavares. How are you, Minol? Welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you. Thank you very much, man. Feeling great. Uh, pleasure to be here. Looking forward for this uh, podcast. And um, yeah, talk about a little bit about me. And that's great. How are you feeling, bro? You feeling good? Feeling good, man. Weather in Melbourne today uh, is pretty warm. So <laughs> it's pretty good when uh, we get a weather like this. And yeah, we'll see. Thanks so much for making the time. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. And we want to know more about your great work that you've been developing in BJJ in Australia. Yeah, thanks for the invite, man. Looking forward for this podcast. So, you know, the question I would like to start is, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? And if you don't mind, where you're from? And what moment in your life you realized that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was the sport that you wanted to train? Yeah, man. Um, well, I'm from Rio, Brazil. I, uh, I actually left Brazil when I was 11 years old. Uh, my dad, my part of my dad, part of the family, they, my grandparents, they were from Japan and they migrated to Brazil. My dad was born in Brazil. Uh, I was born in Brazil. My mom is full Brazilian. Back then when Brazil economy wasn't that great, my dad decided to go to Japan for one year to work and then come back. But what happened was he, um, he ended up that, you know, work there was, was good. So the whole family end, ended up going. And uh, I left Brazil when I was 11. I lived there for about 13 years. That's where I started training jiu-jitsu under an uh, instructor called Eduardo da Rocha, who was one of Master Wilson's students. And um, like a lot of people, I saw um, a skinny guy winning <laughs> against all these different styles in the UFC, Royce Gracie, of course. And I, I thought to myself, you know, this, is, um, this guy just beat everything. And I did karate when I was... I was little and I thought, oh, okay, so he beat Kung Fu and Karate and everything, so this must, this must be like the, the best martial arts <laughs> to do. And I thought, uh, I want to train that one day and started looking for a club. And yeah, I started training when I was 15, 15 years old and still still going on. Yeah, yeah, then you start pretty early. So how I, was to train? How was to train in Japan back then? Like, can you tell us your experience? How was to move to Japan and be able to train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Japan? That, that's very interesting. Yeah, people think yeah, yeah that's where you, you all started, right? But uh, the the truth is, there were there weren't many Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu schools in Japan back yeah. then. And I, as I say, I started when I was fifteen. It was really hard to find an academy, but luckily, I, I found. Rocha, who was uh, he was actually living in another another city, and he had to travel one hour to come and teach. Right. But yeah, I was lucky enough to to find him. And um, when I started, I would say there, there were many many clubs and competition as well. There were many. Uh, eventually, things grow, and the competitions were like they didn't even give medals. Really, they you know they used to give some t-shirt or some <laughs> some something. Uh, a gift for, yep. for the winner so 
I wish I had medals for every comp I won, but back then, yeah, it was hard to, to find a, a school, even though, you know, you think Jiu-Jitsu came from Japan and you, you'll find a lot. That's right. But yeah, Judo was the, the one that, that had it everywhere, even, you know, the school, you learn that in uh, PE classes and everything. I guess, yeah, in Japan, things are totally different. Jiu-Jitsu is, is really big, big there. They, they have comps. I think the guy that runs the, um, as you, you said in the intro, I'm the president for Sports Jiu-Jitsu Australian Federation and also the Sports Jiu-Jitsu Oceania Federation. Oh, okay. And the guy who runs the Asian Federation, he has like, uh, I think more than 40 events a year there. 40 events, so that's a lot, man. It's, yeah, it's pretty big. Yeah, so did you did your father train Jiu-Jitsu as well, Mino, when you were in Japan? Or was just yourself? My father actually um, found this. I found out about this when I was older. But turns out my my dad was a, a black belt in in judo. That's and uh, funny funny thing is, he never put me to train judo. He never you know mentioned it. He never really spoke about it. And yeah, after adult and being training for for years and years and yeah. Um, someone mentioned that my dad was a black belt in judo, <laughs> and obviously he, he stopped training a while ago, and maybe that's why he hasn't mentioned anything. But uh, it turns out, yeah, he was uh, training at um, I think there were two two academies back then. They were Kodokan and Budokan, and Budokan was more strict, like they were almost yeah. like a like a Buddhism right um, things, and, and he was. Yeah, he was a student of the Budokan Judo. Oh. And yeah, that was pretty interesting to to um find out. But um, I guess, yeah, yeah, he was I guess he wasn't really interested in, but he's excited that I train and he's, they always supported me. I started training when I was fifteen and I say they you know, they paid for all my fees and everything, competition and anything that I wanted to do, they always supported me. So oh, that that's was, great. That was great. That's great to have uh, someone to support you. You know, your family, your father, and on your journey. I guess uh, in Japan at that time, like you said, judo was predominantly the sport for Japanese people. They teach on the school, and, and it's really cool, really good experience, man. When did you decide to move to Melbourne to teach the dental art? So my wife, is uh, she's Australian. She, she was from Tasmania, and um, we, we used to live in Tasmania, and, but I always had the idea of moving somewhere uh, to the mainland, either Queensland or, you know, some a bigger city where you get more opportunity. And I had an opportunity to move to Melbourne. So I thought always the plan was to go to Queensland, somewhere warmer, mm-hmm. the, you know, the weather looked like Rio a little bit more. Yeah. So, but this opportunity came up uh, to move to Melbourne and I thought, okay, I'll go to Melbourne and see what happens. If I, you know, slowly move up north, or so be it. But, um, Melbourne is a good city. Um, the food is great, you know. And um, so was, I started my own club in April uh, 2011. Uh, that's where I opened the HQ inside a, a gym, and we've been there since. You know, I got a, an affiliation, affiliated club in uh, Canberra and another one in Townsville. And, yeah, that was the opportunity to move to Melbourne. That was always, you know, always the idea. But... Because Tasmania was a, a bit too small, too cold for me. Yeah, um, I love Melbourne, man. I I go to Melbourne from time to time. The only thing weird about Melbourne is the weather. You know, everyone says you can have four seasons in one day. One day is, is yeah. rainy and it's, <laughs> and it's cold and next day is like hot. 
but it's good. Ah, uh, yeah, man. <laughs> if you're from Rio, man, you suffer. <laughs> <laughs> the weather here is a bit crazy, but yeah, it's it, it's a great city. I guess we we'll, we'll, we'll enjoy it. You know, I, I don't think I'll I'll be moving anytime soon. So. so, could you tell us who was the most influential figure at the beginning of your BJJ journey? Yeah, when I started, of course, um, I would say my first instructor, Eduardo da Rocha, he was, he was not just an instructor for us, he was a, a father figure, he was a friend. He taught us, um, his idea was always to um, make better, better people for society, you know, not so mm. much of the competition side and making champions. And that was just a bonus for him that we were doing well at a, at a competition event. So, but he always, always said in class, uh, he used to give us like some, you know, speech in class. It wasn't just you rock up and you train and you go home. We, we had a, it was really a big family. Even even uh, in Japan, when we used to rock up to the competition events, we always rock up together. And uh, kind of, you know, people used to say that like, oh, the Hoshi family, Hoshi family, because um, everyone really did everything together. But plus, especially in Japan, a lot of people were there, they moved there to go and, and seek for a better life and, and save some money, obviously, and go back to Brazil and, you know, have a better life in Brazil. Yeah. So a lot of those, they, they stayed long years in Japan. Some of them some of them even stayed there and bought a house. A lot of people away from their family. So guys, everyone say your jiu-jitsu family is like the second family because you spend a lot of time together with them on the mat. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, in Japan, that was truly like we should go you know watch a movie we should go to the city hang out like do barbecues and getting to you know Hosh's advice and everything that really was uh, inspiring plus then I used to hear a lot of stories about Master Wilson and father that he used to say and I always thought uh, I really need to meet you know both of them and um, every time I, I went back to Brazil on the holidays I, I used to stay for three months in Brazil and I was going to train a Master Wilson Academy all those three months in one, one of those occasions I had a chance to go and visit uh, Grandmaster Father and meet him and not only meet him I got a surprise grading brown belt I was a purple belt back then oh that's and, great um, I was uh, yeah I was surprised um, Father actually graded me to brown belt and I have his original academy certificate from like back in the day that he issues and I think um, I heard later that because he, he died in the 1st of April 2005, so it was one of the last certificates he signed. Yeah, that must be a, a really point in your in your life that you, oh man, you know, receiving the certificate for the man, you know. How was your training back then, you know, when, when you met him? The training it was pretty hard, like obviously um, really hot. Really <laughs> hot, yeah. Small, small place under thin roof, 40 degrees outside, you know. I remember those days, yeah. 20 people on the man, they all sweaty type of you finish your training you, you squeeze your gear and you know just sweat comes <laughs> out of it. So, but the thing is and we say that jiu-jitsu is a lifestyle and, and it is and yeah, what we do is Brazilian jiu-jitsu and no matter what there is that Brazilian culture into it and um, that's what like some people don't don't understand these days and it's just it's just something you have to go to Brazil and experience I think it's to go like I know there are there are many many big teams with big names, but there are many talented people in Brazil that I uh, I've seen it, I've trained it, and unfortunately, you know, being in Brazil, they don't have that that um, much of a chance or, or opportunity mm -hmm. to um, 
just showcase their talent and it's hard for them because um, one of the I remember one of my students and students couldn't afford you know like a it was not much it was it was in Brazil so it was probably 30 50 reais to, to, to compete because yeah. if he would use that money he wouldn't have money to eat or you know he wouldn't have money to do other things that he, he needed so it was um, yeah, it's eye-opening. Like you go there, but you see that they're not training for fame. They're not training, you know, to to show that they are good. They just they're just training, and, and that's what what uh, Master Wilson always said. Um, money money should never be a problem. So he has he has many students that can afford to train, and he doesn't charge them. But you know, when they came, they pay, and so that that's been always the the father sort of way of thinking that using jiu-jitsu for good and not not for the not aim for the profit absolutely and that's what i try to do yeah in my club like you said the the mentality of the fathers was to help people to improve people's life and give the opportunity for you know the poor kids in brazil to win in life you know to have an opportunity to get the right way in life so i guess this is really important like the bjj lifestyle because we you know we live in this beautiful country here in Australia, you know, there's not a lot of um, problems like we have back home. When you see poor people, you know, struggling and when they find this sport and they have the opportunity to grow, it's it's amazing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And um, not like obviously I come from a father lineage, but um, I don't go out like I, I train jiu-jitsu. We all train jiu-jitsu like back in the day. Maybe there was a difference in, in styles. Like father was, you know, became famous for using other, a lot of wrist locks, leg locks, foot locks. And but at the end of the day, everyone trained, you know, one one martial art, which is jujitsu. So for me, it doesn't matter if um, people are from a Gracie Academy or from you know a father father lineage or, or Gracie lineage. And you know, I'm I'm thankful. I'm great that I, I'm from a, such a unique unique lineage but also I'm glad that the Gracie family actually they they saw an, an, another another side of Jiu Jitsu and, and, and promoted it that, that much that that's why I'm here today. Yeah. You know, so thanks thanks today I'm here today. Teaching Jiu Jitsu in a different country, have you know, have a different life. Uh, I wouldn't have it in Brazil. Yeah, that's um that's amazing. Amazing stories, you know, that we hear from people, you know, they're training and they have that opportunity and they change their lives for the, for the better and they start changing people's life for the better too. <laughs> yeah, of course, man. Like, so I have people that, you know, sometimes they ask me, you know, the gym and where's this gym or that gym or my gym is too far. And I always try to, I recommend other gyms as well. I go, man, as long as you're training. So because, um, yeah, Jiu-Jitsu has that, you know, that touch. That <laughs> yeah. It's addictive. Right? <laughs> it is, like, it is. <laughs> Yeah, once the, I always say, um, plus when you start everything, it's so hard because moves and there, there's so many things that you gotta learn. But um, I always say that it's like you're you're looking at a, a a big picture, but when you start, you're looking so up close, but you you can't see the the picture, you can't understand what it is. And each time you progress, you make one step backwards, and until eventually you can see the whole the whole picture and be like, ah, oh, you know, it all makes sense. So um, that's the way I, I, I describe it. And uh, as you said, um, the good things about it to change other people's life as well. You mentioned the, uh, about the Sport Jiu-Jitsu Federation. 
So the uh, Sports Jiu-Jitsu Australian Federation runs under the Sports Jiu-Jitsu International Federation, and they making a, they they're doing a great job trying to take Jiu-Jitsu to the Olympics. And so far, we they got you know success in the Death Olympics. So I, I think Jiu-Jitsu yeah, is a part of the Death Olympics, and also the uh, police and fire fighters uh, world games. And um, they were actually the they were first first uh, federation to do like a, a Parajitsu fight in Brazil and on on the wards that they had um, the two previous year they already had like a category for death uh, Parajitsu you know people in special needs and disabilities so they, they're, they're doing a great job you know exploring these other other areas that sometimes they get forget, forget by um, other federations yeah, that's uh, an amazing work. Like you said, you have, you give an opportunity to other people, you know, disabled people to train, to be, to experience their lifestyle at least so they can train and they can really improve yeah, and, their lives. And compete against each other with the same, yeah. or the same level, you know, like exactly, because yeah. back in the day, like let's say you, you don't have a, a leg for, for instance and yeah. you wanted to compete, you have to compete in the normal division against like everyone else. So unfortunately, you didn't have the uh, categories like the divisions. Like there was nothing separate for, you know, um, people that uh, need to be in a different division. So they try to create this or to to make it easier for those people to compete as well. And and they're doing a great job. I'm definitely going to look up and do some more research and and see this great work. You know, and it's really important that we tell people out there. To promote that because it's all part of our we're all part of being human beings so i think it's it's great to have that to think about other people disabled people in the sport and like you said competing between each other just to promote the sport so professor is there any championship coming up for the sport oceania jiu-jitsu federation yes uh we actually have one our first um oceania open in uh in new zealand auckland so we have a federation there and the guy who runs the federation there, Paulo, Paulo Sorriso, and it's a great guy. He, we're doing an event, uh, first event, 22nd of February. And uh, you can find all the info either on the uh, Oceania Federation website, which is uh, www.sjjof.org. And uh, event information is there. You can register and, and um, yeah, see everything that your weight division and everything. Pretty excited because this is uh, the first event run by the um, right under the uh, Ocean Federation. And hopefully next year I'll have some events here in Australia as well with the uh, Oceania, with not with the Ocean, but both with Oceania and the Australian Federation. That's awesome, man. Looking forward to it. You got many many people interested. I mean, from your gym to go or other gyms as well. Yeah, we uh, started to advertising, so there are a few guys from my from my gym that is uh, already interested, and a few people uh, inquiring as well for more info and how, how to get to register and how to do it. So the um, the idea is to, uh, as I say, the, we're working together with the Sports Jiu-Jitsu International Federation, try to make it you know go to the Olympics, but knowing that do other other things as well like in australia we've got commonwealth games that we can uh, we're gonna try to push for for as, mu- as much as we can on other other margins of the sport like to make it jiu-jitsu out there 
a little bit more and yeah we'll see like eventually um the idea in the future is to grow grow enough so that we have a ranking system on um only and then we, we should have like if we can have enough sponsors or even the federation can make it enough to afford to take we'll say four athletes to represent australia at the sjjif world so we, we at the moment we just try to work working hard to try to build this and try Absolutely. to make it happen because then with a ranking with a ranking system we can i think we can achieve and it will be a great great thing to australia because the sjjif world is not you don't compete under your academy you compete under your country so you represent oh, okay. your country of course you represent your academy but over there say if you win you know a, a flag is raised on the podium just like uh, how they do in the olympics and so you're representing your country, which is um, which is will be great. That's pretty cool. So you know, if you need help from me, you know, I'm always here to promote the sport, promote any anything that's related to jujitsu, and you know, man, let's make this happen. Uh, man, really appreciate it. Every help is uh, it's welcome. Talking about competition, Professor, I want to ask you a question. How do you manage the stress? You know, the the anxiety before a competition. Yeah, look, for me personally, I um, it's a funny story because uh, <laughs> I was in Japan. I was a black belt already, and there was a, a BJJ competition um, in one of the weekends. Like we had a BJJ comp pretty much every weekend in Japan. By the time I, I was a black belt, and there was this uh, other event called the Pride Challenge, which was Pride issue organized these amateur MMA events that. You go in. You actually right. pay thirty like thirty dollars to to enter, but that'll cover for the for the insurance, right? And all it is, you get there on the ring, and you know you do your little fight. And what they do, they choose fighters for like the the pro event right. to get fighters, and eventually they throw into pride. So I don't know if you, you heard like um, Shinya Oki was in the event. You know, uh, Amazon was fighting the event. There were many many fighters that was fighting pride that they yeah. actually came from yeah eventually uh from deep throwing to pride and i had one friend going there he was pretty good and he was going there for a whole year and he never got selected and <laughs> i had a friend that wanted to do it and he goes uh man let's go do this pride challenge thing you know it's like use protection you know so it's all good it'll be fun let's do it and i go man i wanted to compete at this bj comp he goes man come on this there's a BJJ comp every every weekend. Like you can do any other comp. <laughs> so let's yeah. go. And then he, he somehow he you know he made me go. And so I went there. I did a pretty good fight. You know I finished was a, with a kind of fancy armbar. Cool. And everyone's there. Like the referee, it's all the pride referee, all the pride staff, the pride doctors, the pride big bosses there watching. <laughs> and I got approached. <laughs> So he goes, well, we want him to go and fight on the big car. And oh, at man. the start, I said, nah. <laughs> and we had a friend there that was acting, a Japanese friend that was acting like a, um, he was like our manager. And he goes, you know, you can't, you can't say no. You don't understand the opportunity like this doesn't come off. And, you know, you yeah, see, man. yeah, the guy was coming for a whole year. He never got selected. You came for your first <laughs> fight, you got selected. And this is crazy. And so he convinced me to say yes. And let's say yes. And back then, I was 76 kilo. I had to drop to 73 to fight at this Pride Challenge. And they wanted to put me on uh, an event, which was a tournament MMA event called uh, Future King. 
for the deep. So you do like three fights in one night and you do the final in two weeks time in the in the main event. So and the weight division was seventy. Seventy. Right. I had to drop another three kilos to to fight a seventy. I say yes, and uh, that's when I had, you know, the debut, and I, I won my three fights. I, I uh, managed to get to the final. I lost the final to a. Uh, there was an American guy. He was already a shooter champion, so obviously right. the uh, experience made a difference there. But it was actually one of my favorite fights because, you know, it was a, it was a hard fight. I kind of basically took a bashing and, yeah, and didn't give up. Yeah, and um, it was a, a good fight. So. After doing some of you know the pro fights, MMA fights in Japan, and going back to you know changing to BJJ comps again, it's a different nerve because you know you're gonna get especially pride rules. You can stomp on the head, you, can, you know. Yeah, that time was crazy, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right. So you come from a, a rule set of you know like a MMA rule set like that going to BJJ. It's like ah oh, man, I'm not getting kicked in the head, so. <laughs> You know, cares. <laughs> so it was more for me. It worked better being um, in that rule set. Being going back to BJJ made it easier for me to fight BJJ. Right. Um, I'm not gonna lie. Like uh, you know, I was always a bit nervous before fights. Uh, I always had things in my head. Like I always had what I'm gonna do. I'm, you know. So that's for me personally. That's that's what it helped. But for my students, I always say. Uh, I always in- encourage everyone to compete at least once because I always say there are things I cannot teach until you compete or unless you compete because, you know, you come to class and everything at training, it's totally different to when you compete and mm. you probably competed. You say yeah. you came to Melbourne, and you, you you know that. So, you know, like you can do 10 rows in a club and that's equal to one one fight exactly. in the competition. Exactly. Right, because you have your yeah, your nerves, and you, you're exactly. nervous, and you, you're using more 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 strength. Uh, you get tied more often, and your opponents using more strength. So everything's more tight. It, it's totally different to when you you compete. So I always say, look, I don't, you know, it's not compulsory for you to compete. If you don't want to compete, of course, I'll respect that. You don't need to compete, but I I think people learn they learn quicker if they compete because there are a lot of things that I can I can't just teach you unless you compete you don't you don't learn those yeah. things so for my students I always say have a game plan of course you know you, we don't need to go on and look up the who you're fighting what they do like if you know yeah. they have a strong game that that's what you need to work on but most importantly you know like they say ah oh, yeah you you go there and have fun but it's exactly right like don't go uh, too too much with a mentality of you know worry about losing because uh, um, everyone says you know there's no losing you either win or learn and, and it's right because you when you when you lose you know exactly what you did wrong you can go back to your club you can work on those things and that makes you progress your game and and that's what it's competition for him when my master was visiting last time he mentioned something interesting as well that back in the day you know when there was no youtube for you to yeah <laughs> learn yeah, yeah. tell us tell us a from, little more of that yeah everyone you should learn things from the competition because he said man it was funny because one team would do like one move that was working and then 
there was one guy who would do this move, like, any any move, right? Let's say like yeah. they were doing any move, a sweep. They was working on everyone. So people go and watch. So they, they go to their club and they try to create a move to counter that move. Right. And there it goes on, right? So everyone was creating moves or, or trying to, you know, make moves. So, okay, that guy, he's sweeping everyone with that sweep. Let's see how he's doing it. And then go back to the club and learn that move. And also learn that move, learn to block it or counter or do something to, yeah, to block it and counter. And then so these other people who have to do the counter of the counter and, and then goes on. So it, it was progressing like that. And yeah, it, he, he laughs because yeah, today you got YouTube and <laughs> sometimes it, it says it's, it's ruining it because, you know, I, I say also uh, to my senior <laughs> man, watching things on YouTube, like it's all right, but Unfortunately, a lot of those videos is, you know, fancy moves, and also they they don't have the key um, the key information or, or the key detail for you to do the move while you're rolling. Exactly, I think it's um, but like you said, you know, you don't have the the detail, the the actual adjustments, or you have to actually train. You have actually to go there and do the drills to be able to actually perform that move. And also, you have you need to. The basics, right? So that's why I tell I tell people learn the basics, man. Learn the the fundamental side of that movement, and then you can progress to a more advanced position. Like you said, in the old days, people go to the competition. You know, a lot of people go to the competition, and then they start learning how do I defend to this choco? How do I defend to the zamba? We go back to our gym, and then we train together. And the next comp, we don't make this mistake. We we add that to our arsenal. Yeah, that's exactly right. So. Um and you say you know like the basics is uh man you have to learn the basics yeah. like the the first move the first move basically you learn you know in your first class would be a hip escape or you know it would be something uh basic and uh when i said that i watched the the you you know i watched the ufc video back then was like a vhs and yeah. Hoist Gracie, you know, you're in the, you know, those yeah. things. I'm like, oh, wow, that's amazing. I need to train. And then it, it took me a while to find a, find a club. And uh, when I found one, and I, my, first, my first class, I'll tell you, like, it wasn't love first sight. I actually, um, you know, learning hip escape and all those moves. I thought, ah, oh, man, this is, this is a bit boring. Like, when, I'm, when are we going to learn? <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> you know, it's... Uh, it's a long, it's a, it's a long journey, right? I'm still learning, you know. Like uh, it's hard because um, you you think, you know, your white belt, and you go you finally get your black belt, and it's like, yeah, you're a black belt. But now you gotta you gotta learn, you gotta keep keep it up with uh, everything that comes, you know, new and other moves and absolutely, it's, man. It's crazy. Yeah. It's um, it's a good journey. It's a good martial art. It is. I was um, I was having a chat with Fabio, my professor, and then he was saying exactly the same thing. So I'm a black belt. I'm still learning. You know, there are moves with a white belt or a blue belt that comes into the gym. They start doing those bearing bolos or the. You know, I'm learning. I'm still learning this. So jujitsu evolving every time with the new generation, old generation doesn't matter. You know, we're all learning together. So like you said, it is a beautiful journey, and it yeah. never ends, right? So you can actually apply to any aspect of your life as well 
determination, perseverance, and all that. So it, it's that's why I train this, and I want to train this until I die. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it is, man. It's almost like never ends, right? Like I'm not um, saying other other styles doesn't work or anything, but say you for a boxing, for instance, you you got your jab, your your hook, your, you know, your cross, and yeah. it's all like a combination of of those things you're doing it but in jiu-jitsu you got so many stuff and you know so many combos that as you um saying fabio you know it's like he's still learning like we all he's humble enough to say that so mm. you know there's no no thing such as like oh yeah i already know that like you still you know i don't use it for instance like betting bolo and all, all these yeah uh the new school they say the new school stuff and mm-hmm. man, it's not because you don't use it, you're not gonna learn. You have to be able to learn because, you know, obviously, if I have a student that it's a big, big guy, I'm not. I can't teach a betting baller to him. Yeah. But if there's a, a smaller guy that would more, most likely will, will be better to use that move, then you, I need to know to teach him. But I, I only, I not only need to know to teach him, but I need to know about. Uh, the move so when it happens so he can have a defense also he can you know he should be able to, to use it and unfortunately as I said before Chago about the YouTube stuff as well I always believe like um, when Master Wilson teaches the class and I, I always like look at all the moves that he, he show us and he there's one thing that he always says to me like you know Jiu Jitsu is detail that's yeah. true because you know I when you see every move, would have the key detail that it's going to be the difference between um, one thing is when you, you when your professor shows you a move a class, you do the move, and when you're practicing that move, like for instance a pass guard, your your partner is allowing you to do that move, yes, right? Yes, in, yes. In practice, but it's different story when you're rolling. So every move, I believe, there's the key. There's the key detail that. It's going to determine if you're going to be able to do that move while you're rolling or not. And unfortunately, as I say, the, you know, a lot of videos on YouTube, they, they're missing that. So, and a lot of people, you know, they, <laughs> they watch them and they learn that without the, the detail. And, and that, that's why a lot of times it doesn't work when, you, when you're rolling. I like to stick with the basics and... You know, I'm, I'm starting learning a little bit more about bearing bolos and other, you know, fancy moves, whatever they call mm. it. But I, I want to make sure my base is solid, you know, before I progress. Because there's no there's no point, right? So, if you do a position or anything that is loose or there's no, you know, there's no detail or there's no effectiveness. So, there's no point doing. I'm not sure yeah. because, you know, I started training with Money Mao a long time ago, 2000. And, and two, 2000, sorry, 2000, yeah, 2003. And I don't remember at that time having like all these, obviously these fancy moves and all that, but basically mm. start rolling, you go for a takedown, you pass the guard, mount, submit, and that was it at that time. I don't, I'm not sure if it was the same thing for you. You know, when you start training, you, di- you didn't have this big arsenal of all these positions that we have now, but yeah. Man, I, I've learned basic uh, as well, and I only started learning some um, different moves. Obviously, when I uh, the times that I've gone to Brazil and trained actually under Master Wilson, that yeah, he he would show like different stuff. But and especially back in the day, I you know as we say like there was no YouTube or any, anything. Mm. If you wanted to learn like uh, um, who are the people back in the day that was doing uh, Nino Chambri, you yeah, know that's Nino when Chambri, yeah, he started using a lot of omoplata and then everyone yes. started doing omoplata. Uh-huh. 
the Nova Union guys, they were doing a lot of half guard. That's great, man. That, pull, I remember that. You know? yeah. So that's why everyone started doing half guard. So there is like those, you know, those stuff. And now these days you have Keenan doing warm and, you know, different stuff. And the, that's why everyone is doing it. So it's, it's great things for the sport because, you know, as we commented before, people are doing competition. So other athletes will have to. Uh, create a counter or try to figure it out a way to defend yeah. to not not get caught in that game people go to the competition watch the comps sorry watch the fights and then they go back and train you know or, or, or try to do that move as well to put that in their game so that's that's amazing progressing of, of the sport so professor what was the most important lesson that you learned about yourself through training and competing Training and competing, I guess, you know, try to be humble. If you lose, you lose. <laughs> If you win, you know, you, you don't. I, I never did the, like, when I won, I won. I went to the uh, 2017 SJJIF Awards, and, you know, it was a great feeling winning, winning my division in that year. But um, I believe that all the hard work that you put through, you, you will pay off. So, You know, I'm not a, a big fan of like big celebrations, yell and you know, because mm -hmm. you know, because for me, I knew that I worked hard enough, and I, I knew that I could win. Right? It's it's um, you know, if uh, I think people the people has many ways to to express themselves, like after you know a win or, or something big, but I believe that yeah, I, I'm not a I'm pretty quiet, quiet guy and in comps and stuff so I think um, that that's the, the main thing just stay humble because you know I, I win I won that year I, I unfortunately I couldn't go the next and, and the following so but I could be be beaten you know so one day you win one day you learn and exactly, yeah. the other thing um, big thing as well it's actually written in my club wall it, it says um, victory is always put possible for the person who refused to stop fighting great quote man. which great is quote. basically you know you never give up of of course i want to tell my student you on the armbar straight and don't tap no tap you tap, <laughs> tap <yeah>. today train <laughs> tomorrow type of thing but but um that means the same it just means that as long as you keep training you know one, one day like you you get it it took um Like I, I was always competing since white belt, blue belt in Japan, and you know not always I won. There was a few competitions that I lost final, and and I felt I, I always enter, and I always I'm always losing the final. I don't know why I'm always losing the final, and you know, but I kept training, and that you know some people think they they give up and it's like oh, okay I'm not competing anymore. This is not for me. So the main I think the main thing is. Keep keep training, keep doing what you're doing, because one day you'll yeah. pay off. And but and most like mo most of all, enjoy what you're doing, because um, that's the most important thing, you know. It is. I think we mentioned, you know, that one of the most important thing is to, if you if you like to compete, is to have fun on the mats and outside the mats, you know, with your group of people, with your friends, and eventually, I think eventually your time will come. You learned a lot of things. On the process as well so I, I guess it's you never lose you're always learning and progressing that's a thing yeah but yeah and even when you're winning and the funny thing is I, I tell this to my students as well man it, let's say if you're training 
and you're trying a move and you make a mistake and that move wasn't successful and um, your partner, let's say you're trying to sweep and you made the mistake, the moment you make that mistake, you will realize, right? Mm. The moment you make the mistake, yeah. in your head, you, you think, ah, damn, I make the mistake and that guy is already passing your garden. So it, it, it stays in print in your brain, that <laughs> yeah. mistake. So the next row, you know, you know that you made that mistake. So you're not gonna try to make that mistake again, and you probably make another one. Yeah. But everything will stay there. You you see, like it, it, it almost the time almost stops. You know, you make the mistake, <laughs> and you instantly knows that you made the mistake. So it's a good way to learn, like because if you're knowing that you made the mistake, you know, you you're making a progress already. And um, as I say earlier, when I went to um, visit father, he gave me this book that he wrote, not many people has it. Um, it's all in Portuguese, unfortunately. Uh, willing to one day try to translate it into yeah, English and so, man. you know, make it available. Um, but in, in this book, he wrote this thing, a few like rules and a, a few things, that, sayings that he, he likes. There was a few, a few of them, but I remember when he gave me that book and he, he said, he gave it to me and he goes, son, you never stop. You never stop training no matter what. You know, like things can be hard or thing, you know, you never stop. You keep doing it. But most of, most importantly, enjoy what you're doing. That's, uh, I think, is one of the greatest um, things that you can put out there. Not just, you know, train to, to win this or, or let's train and go to a competition. But let, train to enjoy yourself. Train to, I don't know, some people need it, you know, makes their life better. Um, so you don't you don't need to be a champion, you don't need to compete, you no. don't need to prove anything to anyone. It's such a, it's funny because you're a team, but it's such an individual journey, mm -hmm. like, a, you know, jiu-jitsu, it's, it's a funny sport. Having fun is the one of the most important thing, you know, you make good friends at the gym, you, good, you make good friends outside, jiu-jitsu can really shine in your life, you know, in, in different areas, that's why we... We like to do, mate. We we love this sport, and we try to you know be a better person every day. So, professor, tell us about your future plans. What's your next dream? Oh, my next dream. I've been an athlete. Um, sometimes still am, but that is not my main focus anymore. Like obviously, if I uh, if I'm gonna go and compete on something, I'll, I'll prepare myself. I'll do you know, I'll, I'll take more time aside my club to um, to prepare. But I I will say. The um, for the future now my, my aim is focus on my students as as long as I they they doing well you know those are competing wishing that they they do well and they they can achieve their goals and also um, I guess my biggest I got three kids you know two girls one boy hopefully my boy can mm -hmm. uh, can go and you know try to go on the same path and do his comps and I guess one day we can compete at the same event one day. Continue the legacy. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully <laughs> one day soon, soon enough before I get too old and uh, a bit too hard on the body. But also um, I got a student who is not training with me at the, at the moment, but he's, he's been always under me. Uh, he's fighting in, in the UFC at the moment, Tyson Pedro. So oh, um, I would... Uh, I will hope to see him holding that championship belt one day as well. Cool, man. That's really good. All this good work you're doing to your students, you know, coaching them for life in jiu-jitsu, improving the human being, your life, you know, 
the life around you. So I think um, that's one of the, the biggest things I take from jujitsu. I've got two kids, five and six. At home, we train. My wife trains. My kids, they train. It's it, it's really it's really good, you know, to have a support of your family, of your wife, happy wife, happy life, you know. So you have to have a support of your <laughs> your your wife or the well, wife. that's mate. it, man. Like yeah, he as well. My um, so my wife as well. Well, we we met at training. Her uh, her brother was one of my first students uh, oh, in Tasmania. And uh, she, Esther, was actually the um, the second female in Australia to to get a black belt. Oh, that's awesome! In, in Brazil, in one of our visits to uh, to Brazil, we entered the uh, Rio State Championship. She was a purple belt back then. She she uh, got first place, got a brown belt on the podium. Awesome! Um, funny story that I was she came uh, I was, we were in Japan and I graded her to purple in Japan. And I thought, okay, because I knew, you know, back in Australia, there weren't many uh, girls yeah. that was like purple belt, brown belt, wasn't many. So for competition-wise, would it be um, better to keep her there for a while? So if she wanted to compete, you know, there would be more opponents mm. for her. So I thought, okay, I'm going to leave her there. You know, she's going to rotate in that belt. <laughs> <laughs> and she like, okay. So then we'll go to Brazil. She wins the real estate and Master Wilson it's like uh, they call him should get the medal and I'm like, yeah. ah, they're getting the medal, they're getting the medal, we're going and he yells like, you know, great other brown on the podium. <laughs> and <laughs> I go, belt, no, 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 no. And I, I try to be like, no, nah, it's all good, we don't have a belt. And then he made, but well, there was another student of mine, Phil, like he was with us there visiting as well. Yeah. And um, he was he, he was wearing his brown belt and he told Phil to take his brown belt. <laughs> <laughs> take your brown belt here. And then he threw it. He's like, great, I'm on the podium. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And then I had to grade uh, on the podium. And uh, yeah, but we are a jiu-jitsu family as well. And we spend a lot, yeah, a long time in the academy. And we are a BJJ family as well. And yeah, we're in the club and they, they do the kids class. Sometimes they don't enjoy it, but unfortunately they have no option but go. <laughs> and hopefully one day they they can see the benefit, you know, for them, and they can continue to train. And you know, I, I don't care if they they're gonna compete or if they're gonna win or anything, as long as they they know that for now they don't understand, you know, how good it, it is for them. The benefit it's for them, but one one day they will understand, like your kids as well. Yeah, one day they will say, "Hey, Dad." Thank you very much for putting me in jiu-jitsu so early. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're <laughs> yeah. going to say that. <laughs> yeah, don't you wish you started? My son's been training since it's true. I wish I started your age. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's amazing. One of the best gifts you can give to your kids, I think, putting him in jiu-jitsu, you know, so he can learn together with all the kids as well and really be a good human being on the sport so professor tell us your best advice for someone who is studying now as a white belt or someone who actually interested in training jiu-jitsu at the moment what is your what do you what's your recommendation my recommendations well we've been saying learn your basics you know don't idealize the jiu-jitsu like i said before as well when i started training wasn't love's first sight. It yeah. wasn't when I saw the video, you know, in the UFC. I thought I was gonna learn, which eventually I did. But it's a it's a slow it's a slow journey. So you know, 
take your time, enjoy it, learn, uh, be open-minded. Like uh, uh, many people say, always be the mentality of a white belt. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. If you have questions, ask questions. If you if you don't understand, you know, it's a um, it's a it's a long journey. So you have time uh, as long as you you stick you stick around and you keep training. Yeah, the results, you know, you learn. The results will come. Uh, many people are, are different. Some people learn quick. Some people are a little bit slower. Some people learn better visualizing. Some people learn better uh, actually doing the move. So, you know, learn learning the best way possible for you. And um, yeah, like be take your time and, and enjoy enjoy your your learning. That's uh, and and learn your basics. That's the most important <laughs> thing that. People are forgetting these days, you know, they, some people are learning how to do bedding bolo before they, they learn how to hip escape or do a simple back roll. Great advice, Professor. Thank you very much. Professor Minol, thank you very much for making the time for this podcast. I know you have a lot going on in your life right now. You're a very busy guy and um, I really had a great time talking to you today. Thank you, Thiago, for the invite. It was a pleasure. Uh, I, I love it. I can't wait to actually hear on the podcast and please, whenever you're in Melbourne, come for a visit and anyone listening to the podcast, if you're ever in Melbourne, Equipe Mestres in Jiu-Jitsu Australia, please come for a visit. You'll be welcome. My door is open for anyone. Professor, do you want to leave your details for your Instagram, Facebook, or website so people can reach out to you? Sure, man. My, uh, my Instagram is MinalBJJ. You can find Facebook, Minal Tavares Tuchida. You, you can contact me or Ada whenever you guys are in Melbourne. Please come for a visit. Just contact me, and I'll, I'll give you all the info of training, what time we're going to be there. And um, everyone's welcome, as I said. That's awesome, man. I'll definitely go and check it out next time I'm, I'm in Melbourne. Yeah, thanks again, Professor. Thank you, Thiago. Great uh, podcast. And uh, yeah, as I say, can't wait to hear. Casca grossa. So before you go, guys, please don't forget to follow us, comment, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thanks again, and I'll see you in the next time. Us. Valeu. <laughs>